Good morning. Go ahead and have a seat. How wonderful to see you today. Man, he is risen. Yeah, he is risen indeed. Well, I'll tell you what, I have quite the stories to share with you. And that is about my hero, Jesus Christ. Yeah? Yeah, he is not only my savior and my Lord, but he's my hero. The one I want to pattern my whole life after. And the story that I have for him is one that is shocking and amazing. But before we get to that, can we just thank the worship team for an amazing morning? And the gentleman that just exited leads our creative arts team and played the bass. He has done all this with a team. Isn't that amazing? Can we just thank them? We now have a brand new set for the rest of this year, and they worked so hard on it. And the turnaround time is so short, so they have really, really worked hard, and I think that they've done an amazing, wonderful job. Well, let me tell you the story about my hero. You see, it started about 2,000 years ago, and, and it was a very, very quiet, quiet night. See, Jesus died on Good Friday. He died on a Friday, and... They took down his body and they laid it in a tomb, but they were running up against the Sabbath. The Sabbath starts Friday evening for the Jews, and it lasts all the way till Saturday evening. So they were up against a time frame, and they had to hurry up and put him into a tomb and seal it with a massive rock. The women didn't get a chance to do their part. They wanted to do a special honor for him. They wanted to be able to anoint him. They wanted to be able to take care of him. But they had to go back home because of the Sabbath. So they made a plan. The plan was, I don't know what the guys are doing, but we ladies are going to get together and we're going to go see our Jesus one more time. We're going to give him an appropriate burial. So they said, you know what? By the time we're done with Sabbath, it's going to be too late on Saturday. We can't do that. So very early on Sunday morning, we're going to get out there. I don't know how we're going to get in the tomb. I don't know how we're going to do any of this stuff. Maybe God will have mercy on us, but we have to see our Jesus. But I would imagine that that Friday night, that Saturday night, was filled full of confusion, fear, wondering whether or not they missed something because they saw him die. They saw his body taken down. They saw him placed in the tomb. It's been days has their king really died? They went to anoint a dead king. Boy, were they surprised. That's where we're going to pick up our story. Would you please turn in your Bibles if you have them? If you don't, there should be one under the seat in front of you. We're turning to Mark chapter 16. Now, if you're brand new to the Bible, I'll make it easy for you. Grab the Bible and drop it open in the middle. Then you're going to go to the right you're going to go just past two-thirds of the way. You're going to start seeing books like Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I want you to stop at the second one. That's Mark. We're going to go to chapter 16. That's a big 16 and a little tiny one. So Mark chapter 16, verse 1. It starts like this. When the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome bought spices so they might go and anoint the Christ. And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. And they were saying to one another, who will roll away the rock for us 
from the entrance of the tomb and looking up, they saw that the stone had already been rolled back. It was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe, and they were alarmed. And he said to them, do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. You see, he's risen. He's not here. See the place where they laid him, but go and tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him just like he told you. Gone? Where did he go? He took his body with him. I mean, they scouted. They looked around. There's no one else in there. There's an angel and that's it. Jesus didn't get up from the dead, did he? You see, the only one they ever knew that could raise the dead was the very one they were coming to see. He couldn't raise himself. Is that even possible? Ah, you see, if you turn to the book just to the right of that, can you turn with me to Luke 24? The same story is told from a different perspective in Luke chapter 24, verse 1. He says it this way, But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb taking the spices they had prepared, and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel, and as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Because he rose, we also rise. Let me tell you this. Of all the world leaders who have promised us solutions, of all the supposed saviors in history promising resurrection, none got back up from the dead but Jesus. He is the only one to rise up. What his solutions are are right and they are true. Everybody else said they had the way, and then they died on us. They kept saying it was new, it was fresh, it was going to work, and they all are still dead, but not Jesus. Jesus came in and said, I have a new revolution, and death can't even hold me down. I have the keys to death and hell. I lay my life down, and I pick it back up again. I'm the king of creation. He is our hope. He is our Savior. His resurrection means everything. If He rose, we rise. That's just how it works. For some of us, when we see the cross and we see the empty tomb, we think, wow, our sin must have been pretty bad for Him to go through that. Can we please change that? You're right, sin is a big deal. But you know what motivated Him more than sin? Love. You see, his love was so strong that he knew that we deserve death. We have lived selfishly and violated the very nature of why we exist. He knew that the old, we were not fit for heaven. And his love was so strong for us, he said, I cannot just leave it that way. I will provide a way that they might be rescued. Let me ask your parents, how far are you willing to go to protect your children? However far it takes. God's love for us as his children are so, so intense that he is willing to go to the nth degree. 
to make sure that we will never die. He died so we don't have to. He suffered so we don't have to. He prepared our future. Anything that matters in this world, He took care of on the cross. And so we rise. But it has to begin with a relationship. It begins with us rising up to follow Him. Let me give you a story. Jesus was walking along one day and he came upon a tax collector's booth. You all know what a tax collector is, right? So a tax collector was basically someone that worked for the Roman government who was oppressing the Jews. Levi was a Jew. That means it made him a traitor. He worked for the oppressing government and many of his buddies would pad their own pockets with a little extra tax that they would collect that they said that Rome wanted them to get. But they really took it home for themselves. They were doubly hated. They were outcasts of society. Nobody wanted them around. Levi had a wealthy job, but he had no friends. And then one day up walked this rabbi. He knows about this guy. This rabbi was famous. He hadn't been on the scene very long, but people started talking about radical miracles that he would speak as one who had authority, that he was one who would tell stories and keep everyone in rapt attention. He was incredible. Jesus walks right up to Levi and he says, Hi. Hi. What are you doing today? Well, I'm working. How about you leave all that and follow me? Sorry, what's that? Well, how about you leave all that and you follow me? Follow you like, like where are you going? I want you to follow me for the rest of your life. At that moment, Levi had a decision. He can either stay in his comfort zone. Remember, he's got a solid job. He's building his own kingdom. Other people would die for his job. Everything's going well for that guy. But something in his heart says Jesus was better. And he made a decision that day. To rise up from his seat, rise up from his comfort zone and follow Jesus into the unknown. And it transformed that man from Levi to Matthew. The very same Matthew that wrote the first gospel that we have in chronological order. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. That Matthew would have never written if he wouldn't have got up that one day. Jesus is calling you to follow him. I get you're in your comfort zone. But you cannot go with Jesus and stay where you're at. Y'all tracking with me? You can't go with Jesus. We say, I want more of Jesus. I want to see his excitement. I want to see his miracles. I want to see his power. I want to see people transformed. I want to reconnect with him in a deeper way. I want more of God. You can't have more of God and stay where you're at because he's on the move. You see, he keeps moving. He's like, hey, I'm out here conquering kingdoms. I'm going places. So if you want to stay in your comfort zone, I love you, honey, but... You're not going to be with me. I'm rolling. You want to be with me, you've got to get up and get out of your comfort zone and come follow me. The Bible says that Jesus was recorded saying, whoever would follow me must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. What would it profit a, a man to gain the whole world and lose his own soul? That day, Levi made the right decision. Leave his own kingdom and join Jesus in his. Not only do we rise up to follow him, but we rise up in healing. Do you believe that healing is for today? I believe it is. 
You are sitting amongst a huge group of people who have been healed in our lifetime. Healed of radical things. Healed of cancer. Healed of all sorts of ailments. Healed of physical deficiencies, pain. You, they're all here amongst you. Is healing real? Well, when Jesus was here, he was demonstrating what he can do in the spiritual by doing it in the physical. And he was bringing healing all the time. Let me tell you a couple of those stories. There was a blind man named Bartimaeus. He was a beggar. So the way he would make his money is he would kind of hang out on the main thoroughfares. And the only way he'd get any money was to be able to just say, hey, will you help me out with a little change? Put it all together and he'd have some food. One day he heard that Jesus was coming. Couldn't see him, but could hear about him. Here comes the Messiah. Here comes the miracle worker. He didn't know what it meant to be in touch with Jesus. He had never met him before. But he knew that if he ever had a shot to be healed, it was next to Jesus. Here he comes, and he starts screaming at the top of his lungs, Son of David, have mercy on me. Son of David, have mercy on me. So much so, everyone's like, dude, you're killing me. Stop yelling. You're just irritating now. But he wouldn't stop. He knew Jesus was his only shot. So he cried out even louder. Jesus heard him. The Bible says, and Jesus stopped. He said, call him to me. They ran over and they said, take heart, my friend. He's calling you. It says immediately he sprang up. He arose to go be next to Jesus. This was his moment. He runs up to Jesus and Jesus says, what can I do for you? He said, Lord, I want to see. And in that moment, he was healed. It wasn't just blindness. There was a woman at the synagogue. Everybody knew about her. For the last 18 years, she wouldn't be able to stand up straight. She walked hunched over, almost bent in half. The Bible says it was because Satan bound her that way. I don't know if that means because of what Satan has ruined in our world. It just messed up our gene pool or gave her disease. I don't know. Or whether or not it was direct demonic oppression. I don't know. But she couldn't stand up. She couldn't rise. She couldn't rise up in prayer. She couldn't rise up in praise. She was bent over all the time. Jesus walked in and said, that's not going to happen on my watch. Brings her up, heals her in the synagogue. Everyone goes ballistic. How dare you heal on the Sabbath? Man, talk about missing the point. How dare you heal on the Sabbath? Jesus said this quote. I love this. Ought not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan bound for 18 years, should she not be loosed from this bond? Someone is bound by the enemy in your presence and you're not doing anything about it? Come on. Who the sun sets free will be free indeed. Amen? So Jesus came through. Instantly she could stand up and she rose up before him. But there was even more intensity. There was a young boy who was possessed by a demon from such a young age. The demon would try to throw him in the fire. The demon would convulse him. He almost looked like he was epileptic, foaming at the mouth and writhing. Jesus came up and cast out the demon. It says that when he cast it out, it shook him so violently he became like a corpse. And everyone said he's dead. Jesus said, nope. Not today. Reached out, took him by the hand, and up he stood, completely free from that demon. Man. 
Whatever the enemy is bound, shackled, and crippled, Jesus said, arise in my name. I'm in control here. I'm the master of the universe. It bows to my will. What has God healed in you? I mean, like I said, there's a lot of physical healings around here, but y'all know that there's more healing than just physical stuff, yeah? There's emotional pain. There's mental pain. There's, there's backgrounds and pasts and difficulties and baggage. There's crazy stuff that we had to get healed from. He's been healing us and healing us and healing us. But let me ask you this. What do you do if you need the healing of Jesus, but you can't get next to him? That happened a couple times in the Bible. Y'all remember the story of the man who was paralyzed and wanted to go see Jesus, but he couldn't go anywhere? So his friends said, there's no way we're leaving you here. So they went to his house, picked up his bed, carried him all the way to Jesus. Well, that made him late. Because if you help other people, it slows you down. Yeah? But when you love your friends, it's okay to slow down. They were late. Couldn't get in the house. The whole reason they brought him was to get him next to Jesus so Jesus would touch him. They didn't know how it worked, but now they can't get in. So one of them got an ingenious plan. Let's climb up on the roof, dig through another man's roof, a man-sized hole, and lower the dude down in front of him. They did it. Jesus said, I say to you, get up, take your bed, and you're free to go. And he was healed in that moment. He would have never got there if no one carried him. When Jesus went into the area of Gennesaret, it said that people that couldn't get next to Jesus were picked up and carried by others and laid all over the marketplace just so they could touch Jesus' clothes as he walked by. And as many as touched it were healed. What's my point? My point is about to be very convicting. Running to Jesus alone is selfish. Man, I appreciate the fact that so many of us are eager to be near the Lord. I love that. I love that some of us have that passion and that drive to say, I want to be with Jesus. I want to be with Jesus. I want all that he has. I want his healing. I want the Holy Spirit's gifting. I want his empowerment. I want all that stuff. But if you're going by yourself, you're selfish. You've got to bring someone with you. Because let me, let me tell you this. If you're a Christian today, and there's a whole bunch of us, not everybody in here is a believer, I get that, but there's a ton of us that consider ourselves Christians. We have given our lives over to Christ. We said, I get it, I'm wrong. I've been building my own kingdom, I don't want to do that anymore. I want to be all in with you, Jesus. There's a bunch of us that have done that. Here's what it means for you. It means that when you lay your head on the pillow at night, you know you're safe. You know where you're going. You know your future is bright. You know you have been cleansed. You know that you have his mercy. You know you live in a state of grace. You are a child of God and you're never going to be otherwise. You don't have to perform for him. You are his. When you pray, your heavenly father is listening and will move heaven and earth for you. That's what it means. Tragedy is that so many of us are cool being that while our neighbor does not have that. Hey, it's cool for you that you have peace, but your coworker doesn't. It's great that you're forgiven, but your neighbor is not forgiven. 
Why is it okay to run to Jesus all by yourself? Shouldn't we be bringing other people with us? It only seems loving. It only seems right. Not only do we rise up to follow, not only do we rise up in healing, but we rise up as Christians to fight the good fight, to fight the enemies of God. Remember, the Bible says we have three enemies, the world, the flesh, the devil. None of those are people and none of them are on Facebook. (laughs) The world, the flesh, the devil. Quit trying to treat the symptoms. Can we go to the root cause, please? We spend all of our time arguing and attacking and hating each other when we're not the real problem. The real problem is spiritual. Until there is a prayer breakthrough, nothing's going to change. Let me tell you, our nation, and I don't know how you feel about America. Y'all live here, so I'm assuming you feel pretty good about it. Let me tell you how I feel about America. I'm hard on America. Because I always hold those with the most resources, those with the most power, those with the most opportunity, the most accountable. So I'm tough on my nation. I love this place. I love America. I love the freedoms we have. I love the way that we get to live. I love the ability to work in concert with one another. I love the idea that we can worship here without fearing that the police are going to break in and knock the whole thing over. I love America. But I'll tell you right now, I'm super frustrated about how things are going. I'm super frustrated about the trajectory of our nation. I'm I'm super sad about the hurting and the hurting and the hurting. I'm tired of the division and the pain and all the heartache. I don't like it. But I'm going to tell you right now, our nation will not change until the church steps up and brings the change. Amen? And why? Because you can't leave it to the world. The world is doing what they're consistently doing. They have worldly solutions. It's not going to fix it. The only one that can fix it is Jesus. The only people that can fix it are those attached to Jesus. So we have to rise up. You say, well, I don't matter. I'm one person. Please look around you. We are thousands. In one church alone. What, we can't mobilize? Here's the problem. We can't even get along. How in the world are we supposed to do one big huge movement when we're all disagreeing all the time? I believe that the way that Satan keeps our nation the way it is, is keeping our church distracted. Man, if we prayed with all of our guts, stuff starts falling. If we start moving forward and bringing in love, something begins to change. Until we start changing laws and begin to start changing things, our nation's going to be the same. The world is consistent with our nature. Why aren't we? We are children of God. We rise up and we fix things. We are the solution. Some of you may be listening to me and saying, you know what, pastor, here's the deal. I used to be all, you know, whatever you are. <laughs> I used to be into that Christian thing. And, and so, I mean, I was pretty, pretty hardcore as a kid carried my Bible everywhere. But here's the deal. When I grew up, there's more stuff going on in life. And I just kind of left that stuff behind. Now, I know technically what you're saying is right. 
However, it's been a long time, man. And I'm just, I've moved on. Did you move on? I got a story for you. There was a young man. He wanted to move on and wanted to do other stuff. So he tells his dad, dad, I need some cash. And I know I'm going to get an inheritance from you. How about we just pretend you died? Then I'm going to take my money. If you would cash me out, that'd be cool. And I'm going to go off and do my own thing. And so he went off into another country, spent it all on drugs, alcohol, and women. He's laying in a pigsty because he can't even afford a roof over his head, eating what the pigs leave over. If the pigs don't eat it, he'll eat it. And he has a decision to make. Do I get up and go home? Well, I don't know how my dad's going to feel about that. I don't know. Do you know how that story goes? And he arose and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him, felt compassion, ran and embraced him and kissed him. That's the love of God. Let me tell you, if that's you, come home. I know you've been walking in the world. I know it's been a long time. Just come home. Well, I don't know. Maybe it's too gone now. It's not. You're never too far from the grace of God. You can't run too far where God can't reach you. Come home. Will we sit in sorrow or rise in repentance? Hmm. Now, what about those of us that are walking with Jesus? You think you're, you're mature. Say you've been with the Lord for quite a while. Are we clear that chronological time with Jesus does not count as much as putting your life into the hands and letting Jesus transform you? Here's what I mean. There are some of us that have been in the Lord 40 years and the three-year-olds are putting us to shame. Why? Because the three-year-old believer is still letting Jesus change him and change him and change them. Some of us 40 year long have been the same for the last two decades. You've been around Jesus a lot, just not transformed by Jesus a lot. What is my point? The Bible says in Ephesians that God gave us apostles and prophets and evangelists and shepherds and teachers. For what purpose? To build up the church, to equip the church until we all rise to maturity. Please do not call yourself a mature believer until you are actively working to raise other people around you to maturity. It should bother you and you should want to get involved to say, I want to help other people. How do I help you? Maybe I'm just an encouragement guy. Maybe I'm simply the one lady in your life that's going to intercede, 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 and just block all that spiritual warfare from you so you can grow. Maybe you're the one that just says, hey, I'm just going to check in on you periodically. What are we doing for one another to spur one another on to good works? How are we all going to get mature? Well, we all got to jump in on this. You've got to be concerned about my maturity as I'm concerned about your maturity. It can't just be you growing up. Everybody's got to grow up. 
Because we are only, as a family, as strong as our weakest link. We all matter. Not only do we rise up to follow Him, not only do we rise up in healing, not only do we rise up to fight, not only do we rise up to go home, not only do we rise up for maturity, but we rise up to serve. Y'all remember when Jesus walks into Peter's house? His mother-in-law is laying on the couch. She has a terrible fever. One scholar said that it seems to be that the fever was going to lead to death. It was super intense. Jesus walked up, took her by the hand, rebuked her fever, and she stood up. It says, and she immediately served. I'll tell you right now, she's way cooler than I am. If I get out of the hospital, I'm not serving you the next day. I'm taking the day off, y'all. This lady gets healed from something radical, and what's the first thing she does? Serve. Why? You can write this down. Jesus didn't raise us up to sit back down. Jesus didn't raise us up to sit back down. Man, you're free. Great. We sit down. That's not how it works. People are hurting out there. They need us. We should always be scouting. How do I serve? How do I serve? How do I serve? How do I serve? Maybe you just need a smile. Maybe you need a hug. Maybe you're the one that needs a prayer. Maybe you're the one that just needs a word of encouragement. We're always serving. We follow the example of our role model who came to what? Not be served, but to serve. That is our Jesus. We serve. How are we ever going to serve? How are we ever going to have the energy? So many of us are burnout, right? I mean, we've been doing all kinds of stuff in our lives and then we got all burned out and then we all hang out in church and then we just sit. So many of us, man, even the whole idea of quiet time in the morning sounds exhausting. I don't want to go do that. Then I go there and I'm like, oh, now I got to call God up, right? And then I got to try to get things right. Can I put a little different spin on this? First of all, You're never going to beat God to quiet time. You're never going to beat God to quiet time. You're never going to get there and need to summon your God. You got your coffee. He's already on cup number three. He's waiting for you. You go, but I don't want to go because if I go there, then I got to be all getting into it and everything. Hold on. You're trying to summon God? What is he? Someone that you have to rouse? I don't think so, because here's the deal. Quiet time should be you coming in and just hanging with him and letting him refill you. Why is it so hard for you? I'll tell you why it's so hard for me. You ready? Because surrender is super hard for the proud. Most of my time is trying to get out of myself to focus on him. Why am I so full of myself that that takes so long? Y'all tracking with me? See, how it's supposed to go is Jesus would get up early every morning. If there was anyone that didn't really need a quiet time, it's probably Jesus. He would get up every morning and connect with the Father and get recharged, 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 recharged. Why? So he was full for the ministry that he was doing. So many of us are operating on fumes. That's why everything sounds exhausting. An object at rest tends to stay at rest. Do you all remember this? It's kind of the laws of our universe. But an object in motion tends to stay in motion. 
We've got to have that steady diet of God filling us up so we can have more energy to be able to do the things that he calls us to do. But ultimately, the biggest way that we rise is one day we're going to rise to be with our Jesus in heaven. In order to demonstrate that that was a fact, Jesus did a whole bunch of raising down here. Y'all remember Lazarus, right? That was the whole, my best buddy, he died. Then I came to him one day and I said, Lazarus, we got to go. Get up. But there's a story that really touches my heart as a father of girls. There was a daddy who ran a synagogue. He had a 12-year-old daughter that was dying. He said, Jesus, you don't know me. As a matter of fact, a bunch of my friends don't even like you. I need you. My daughter's dying. Jesus said, sure, I'll come. And on the way, there was so much other ministry Jesus took too long and she died. Do you know how crazy maddening that is for a parent? He got word, she's gone. He says to Jesus, Master, I appreciate the effort. We're too late. Jesus said, oh no, we're not done here. Take me home. He goes home and there's a little girl laying there dead. He puts everybody out and he says this phrase in Aramaic, Talitha kumi. It means, little girl, I say to you, arise. And you go, wow, that's so poetic. One person that's really good at the language said, no, 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 you, don't, you missed it. It's the same phrase every parent says to their kids in the morning. It means, honey, it's time to get up. There was nothing fancy about the words, but there was something powerful about the man. Death couldn't even hold that little girl down. Honey... It's time to get up. Let's go. And she awoke and immediately began to walk around. You see, Jesus wanted to tangibly show you what he's going to do for every believer. Believers never die. Amen? Paul said, I desire to depart and be with the Lord, which is better by far. I don't even think that the glory I got right now is compared to the glory I'm about to get. So I'm going from glory to glory. Death is only a temporary transition to the better for a believer. Therefore, believers never die. Do you believe this? Yes, that is true for us because the power of the Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead raises us from the dead and we have a sure future. This is all I got. One more group that I got to talk to. There are some of you right now that are going, dude, as long as you're talking, that is no prime rib for me. You need to shut this down. Man, you've been talking really long. I appreciate you shortening the service. It ain't short enough. Let's go. Come on, man. Dude, I don't believe you. I don't believe the Bible. I don't believe the Jesus thing. Quite frankly, I got horn swoggled to be here today. I am here for my family. So how about wrapping it? You see, because pastor, I'm what you would call an impossible situation for you. Hmm. You are. I got a story for you. <laughs> the prophet Ezekiel was taken in a vision to a valley full of dried bones of people. He looked around and he's like, what is this wasteland? And God said, son of man, can these bones live? And he's like, I don't know, God. 
I have no idea. Only you know that. And God said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to prophesy over them. I want you to speak my word and bring them to life. And as he began to speak the words of God, God didn't do it himself. He spoke through the prophet. As he began to speak the words of life, the bones began to rattle and they came together and tendon and sinew and skin all formed around them and uprose this army. And God said, don't you ever call impossible what I call possible. So you're in an impossible situation, yes? You're right. If it was left up to me, you would be impossible. <laughs> but with God, all things are possible. Here's how we're going to do it. We're going to close out. And I need the prayer team to come on up here with me. I want to pray for three groups of people as we wrap. And I'm going to have, when I begin to pray, I'm going to have you stand up. So just, you can just hang on until I start to pray. Three groups of people. Number one, there are those of you that said, today is my day of salvation. Everything you're saying, pastor, is right on. I know it in my heart. I don't know what it all means, but I'm going to leave my comfort zone and I'm going to run with Jesus. And he's going to take you from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. Today is your day of salvation. That's the first group. The second group are those of you that even though you're believers, none of us can tell. You haven't been walking with Jesus very much at all. But today's the day that God is going to breathe life into that flame in your heart. And the passion is going to rise. Your strength is going to rise. And you will once again walk under the banner of Christ. The third group are those that need physical, emotional, and mental healing. You see, healing is real. And the Holy Spirit is here. That's a good combo. There's some of us that you can't move right. Your back's messed up. Your legs are messed up. You got migraines. You got cancer. You got diagnosis of things you didn't even know about before you got the diagnosis. There are those that can't even go out. The whole idea that you came here is crazy because you usually don't stray too far from home, not with what you have. God is going to assess right here, right now, whether or not that needs to be in your body anymore. Because if he determines it doesn't, your healing will be full and complete. When we finish, I got one more thing to say as we close out, but I really want to take this moment to pray. If you would like to receive Jesus, if you would like to commit your life to him afresh and get that passion back, if you would like to be healed, would you stand up? Stand up. As they stand, let us pray. Holy Spirit, we stand as a testimony needing your touch, needing your healing, needing your life. God, we're drowning. 
We need to know that your love is effective for us. So we admit right here, right now, Jesus, we have been out of line. We have been selfish more than we've been sinful. But we need you. We want to give our lives to you. We admit who we are, but we also admit, God, we need a Savior. We don't have access to heaven. Only you do. So, God, would you heal us? Would you rescue us? Would today be our day of salvation? Lord, there's some of us that we're just not walking right. We've been so far out of the game. But, God, bring that fire back today. In the name of Jesus, we pray against the distractions and the sins that so easily entangle us. And we say, God, set us free. Cut free our bonds and our chains and our shackles. And let us run and fly with you. And God, right here, Holy Spirit, walk through us with your beautiful net that pulls out all the impurities. As you pass through our body, would you just burn away all that stands against you and heal us? God, we ask for healing right now in our ankles and our feet. Lord, some of us, we can't even feel our feet. They've been numb. Sometimes it's gout. Lord, for some of us, it's diabetes. For some of us, it's nerve damage. Begin to restore right now, Holy Spirit, that prickling sensation that rises up through our feet into our ankles and makes them strong. And as you begin to rise, Holy Spirit, just begin to touch our legs. Release the nerves that are pinched. Begin to move through our hips and through our digestive system. God, no more IBS in Jesus' name. No more dysentery. No more disturbance in our gut floor. We pray as you rise up through our organ system, Father, in Jesus' name. Livers function, kidneys function, pancreas function, lungs be healed and cleared out and smooth, heart be restored. Whatever cardiovascular disease that we are facing right now, God, if it would be your will, would you heal us and take away the impurity? God, as it rises through our arms and our shoulders, would you release out that pressure? All of us that woke up feeling our neck is kinked, would you release it in Jesus' name? Restore our back and our spinal column. Open our ears and our eyes in Jesus' name. Release our brain. Release the pressure in our heads. No more migraines in Jesus' name. That, God, these are easy for you. Holy Spirit, nothing can stand against you. Jesus, you walked on water. You walked the Hebrew boys through fire. You shut the mouths of lions. What is standing against us, no matter what the doctor said, is not the final answer. You are the final answer. In the name of Jesus, we come against all cancer. In your powerful name. Holy Spirit, all leukemia gone. All forms of renegade cells be aligned in Jesus' name.
full restoration and the power of God. You may be seated. God, for all those that you have woken up and made alive, would you begin to protect them? Would you shield them? Would you provide for them as they are starting their walk with you? That it would be an exciting moment that they would know what it feels like to be free. They walk out these doors and all of that wind, all of that air begins to hit them. And it feels like they could walk on the clouds. That God just take our sin as far away as the east is from the west. That we might be healed in the name of Jesus. We pray all this in your name. Amen. Amen. One quick thing before you go. Remember you have these sheets. I want you to be able to write on all of them. If you're in the front row, you can reach to the seat behind you, right? And every one of these, there's, there's these Uh, sheets, different colors. Pick the one apparently that's most holy. Take that one, write on it a name of someone that needs to come to Christ or a praise that you want to lift up to God or a prayer request. These are all anonymous. We're not going to be reading these. And then I want you to loosely roll them up. Don't be an overachiever. (laughs) Loosely roll them up because when you walk out of here, we have a whole, maybe you saw it coming in. We have a whole art project going on that collectively we as a family are going to put it all together and all the colors are going to be represented and it's going to bring glory to God. Would you do that on the way out? The prayer team is here. If you need extra prayer, that's the whole reason why they showed. Have a wonderful weekend. Happy Easter.